Hello and welcome to One Fintech Nation in partnership with Tech Nation. I'm David Breer and today we're bringing you the fourth and final part of our mini-series showcasing the UK fintech scene. If you missed all of the previous episodes, what are you doing listening to this one? Go back and listen to episodes 226, 228 and 230 of Fintech Insider to get you all up to date. So far, we've burst the London fintech bubble, we've looked at the UK through an international lens, and in the last episode, we looked at how fintech can be a force for good, solving real-world problems for customers and trying to improve financial inclusion and literacy. This episode, we're trying to bring everything together that we've learned so far. How do we get the whole nation talking about fintech, sharing their knowledge and working together as one? No more regional silos or bubbles, but one united fintech kingdom. In a nation of such strong regional identities, some of which even have had referendums to separate themselves from one another, and with the looming threat of Brexit, can this really be done? Over at Tech Nation, they are optimistic it can be done. They even changed their own company's name to reflect this. That's pretty big commitment. What was once Tech City UK and Tech North is now Tech Nation. And they have also launched a UK-wide fintech program to back this up. Tech City was created six years ago um, under Cameron to support the uh, what was happening in the east of London, so the emerging tech scene. And that evolved into uh, Tech North as well, which was located in Manchester and was supporting the uh, entrepreneurial community up in the north. Due to the evolving nature of the tech system, tech ecosystem, both in the north and the south, and also outside pressures like uh, Brexit, which definitely triggered, accelerated the change, we uh, merged and rebranded the two uh, companies into one, which became uh, Tech Nation, with the idea to very much create a network of networks, um, which would help the best and most ambitious entrepreneurs uh, grow in the UK. This is Greg Michel, FinTech and InsureTech Lead at Tech Nation. There's a couple of ways that we're going to do that. I think the first one is definitely by shining a light on what is happening in the regions at the moment. And so we very much want to uh, highlight, just like we did in the Tech Nation report, the incredible tech innovation that is happening outside of the main hubs. So that is going to be the first thing, just shine a light because some people might not be aware of it. So then we're going to have people on the ground called the National Entrepreneur Engagement Team. And what they are going to do basically is be our ambassadors on the ground and make sure that the connections are made in between hubs. I think this is something that we very much want to create or to reinforce is the communication between the different hubs. The programs that we have will also be targeted at being uh, at national companies. So basically, we want to attract the best uh, companies from all over the UK, which is very much what we're trying to do here with the fintech program. Nothing really prevents you from creating uh, a unicorn anywhere in the UK. We want to recognize that and make sure that these entrepreneurs are supported uh, wherever they start their business. It's so important, this idea that the fintech program is promoting of empowering people to create their businesses from anywhere in the UK. On a personal level, I started 11FS and live in Norfolk. My co-founder, Jason Bates, lives in Rutland and Ross Medfin lives up in Edinburgh. Entrepreneurship should not be dependent on geography or proximity either to the capital or to each other for that matter. The other key point Greg made is about partnerships. This is going to be a huge part of the future of fintechs. Historically, banks and fintechs were originally seen as rivals, but this is no longer the status quo. 
We talk almost every week on the show about the latest partnerships between a fintech and a big bank, but what is going to be crucial in partnerships, not just between fintechs and traditional banks, but between fintechs themselves, the regulators, investors, talent hubs such as universities, and every associated player in between. No fintech is an island. They need to team up and work together to make some serious strides forward and change the face of banking for the better, for their customers and for themselves. Fintech, as we've seen time and time again on Fintech Insider and across the course of this series, is so good at finding a specific niche, a specific customer issue or problem to solve, or a particular demographic to serve. It is this customer centricity that will be so important to the types of partnerships that are formed in the future. This is Paul Rippon, co-founder and chief risk officer at Monzo. If you're, if you're asking to me, you know, to what degree partnerships matter and are they the only answer, I think it depends. Really, I mean, let's, let's let's think about the big four or five banks. For for the last twenty to twenty five years, they have continued to occupy eighty to ninety percent of current account share, whether that's personal or, or business. So, despite the internet boom, despite the tech boom, you know, it, on the face of it, it looks like they still occupy a huge share of the business, and the same for the big pension companies as well. Will that? be the case in a few years time my my guess is no actually my guess is that the status quo will not the will not change uh, sorry the status quo will not be the same uh, and I, I think there's going to be some sizable shifts i think first of all this wave of fintech activity is really connecting with customers so we've, we've already touched on our customers that are more represented around the uk they tend to have a younger bias um, compared to to averages, so for, for for example, you know our twenty to thirty year olds are four times more than than the UK average population. So we have quite a high share of young customers. I don't think it's reasonable or fair to say, well, well, Monzo, for example, could meet all of the needs and demands that those customers want. So if you know, if as a twenty to thirty year old, I need help working out, do I set up on business? Um, I want to live the greenest energy life possible. Um, or I want to live the cheapest life possible or the funnest life possible, is it fair and reasonable to expect one provider, even even Monzo, to, to provide all of those needs and, and services? And I, I personally, I think the quick answer is no. However, c- could one provider like, like Monzo provide the ability for people to ask those questions and get some help? And I think the answer to that is is Yes. So I, I then think that means, right, to what degree can a firm provide those services itself and to what degree can the firm use established legacy providers, whether they're bank or insurance companies, and to what degree can it use new businesses to help do that? So, for example, let me, let me, let me let's turn that into action. If, if I, as a customer, wanted to say, right, when I get my energy sources to, to heat and, and warm my home, whether that's gas or, or electric, I would really like to come from that from sustainable energy sources. I think it's entirely fair and reasonable that a, the customer would share that information with Monzo. Can Monzo then provide energy, gas and electric? I, I think the answer to that would be no. However, we, we can take the, the customer's desires to live a green and renewable life and we can look into the market and we can find green and renewable energy providers, and then behalf of the customer, we can switch those energy services as often as necessary to, to allow the customer to live the life they want to live. And I think you can apply the same example there, whether it's saving for the future, buying a house, 
um, providing for your old age, protecting yourself against um, accidents and, and sickness. I think all manner of activity around life and, and money. Um, somebody like Monzo could work with the customer, understand the customer, but then I think it's essential that you then work and collaborate with the legacy providers and the new providers to provide all those products and, and, and services. That's the sort of network and partnership that I can see where you, you start to connect all of those parts together. Uh, my, so my, my quick answer then is partnerships, I do think will be necessary, but I think those partners may well look quite different. Um, for example, the big banks, I, I see it entirely possible that they increasingly start to move away from, shall we say, the front end to the customer and the connection of the customer and more leveraging their strengths, which is huge capital bases um, and legacy products, which will form part of the, the mix. But I, I think as we're already seeing, you know, customers are looking for something a little bit more mod, modern and fresh than, than some of the monoliths are, are able or willing to provide at the moment. Paul sees partnerships with fintechs as building a whole ecosystem of services or access to services around a provider, such as Monzo, giving their customers frictionless solutions to their problems. This is the type of partnership ecosystem we love at 11FS. Frictionless finance and digital riches for the customers are what we're all about. This is a message Jason Bates is particularly passionate about. Banks need to come to their customers and operate as and when they need them, offering a range of services to solve issues and provide additional value to make the bank an intrinsic part of the customer's life. We want to see banks who behave like your financial personal assistant, who can help you with all aspects of your financial life, from utility bill switching to insurance, pension advice, and so much more. Through the type of connected ecosystem Paul describes, like an Alexa or some kind of home smart device that connects to all of your financial products you could need, as and when you need them. Monzo and Starling are already making strides in this direction through their marketplace services and have already begun teaming up with energy suppliers and pension providers, amongst others, to kickstart this idea of connected financial ecosystem. This will only expand in the future as both companies grow and sign up more partners. Just in the last week, Monzo announced their partnership with TransferWise for cross-border payments. But it will be interesting to see how wide they take their ecosystem and how many other players start to follow their lead. If fintechs, banks, energy services providers and all financial services players take part in this ecosystem with customers in the middle, it achieves the goal of bringing everyone together and far better products, services, advice and inclusivity for customers. So how do we get this up and running? First up, we got an investor's perspective from John Bradford, founding partner at Motive Partners. Hi, my name's John Bradford. I'm one of the founding partners of Motive Partners, which is a, an investment firm based in London and New York. The industry, interestingly, has gone through um, a cycle. I think the initial cycle was we're going to go out and do this all ourselves. But uh, over the last couple of years, we've definitely found that there's a, a need um, for both fintechs and the legacy industry itself to come together. I think it was best described by somebody at Anderson Howitz who basically said startups are great at innovation, banks are good at distribution and neither is good at the other thing. And so where you can bring those two things together, um, you can create a really powerful capability. Yeah, we believe at Motive there's an interesting menage à trois where you can bring together both the industry, um, startups, and we can help support that process, both to the benefit of the startups, uh, but also help support legacy or, or some of the pre-existing financial uh, institutions to make that happen. 
as part of that process, we get a very interesting insight into what's actually happening in that customer cell or that kind of relationship. And so make allows us to make much more informed investment decisions. We believe that no single financial institution nor any single fintech is going to be able to create enough critical momentum. I strongly believe that entrepreneurship and innovation is a, a contact sport. And I think the more that one can get like-minded individuals and organizations in the same room actually feeding off each other and actually being able to be supportive and also, guess what, sometimes sparking off each other actually really creates um, a really interesting dynamic. Absolutely. I strongly believe that for this to exist and for um, everyone to benefit in the ecosystem, um, one needs to have both pre-existing financial institutions and new incumbents, new players in the room at the same time. I think what it does do is it does create really interesting challenges for both parties to better understand the cultural differences, both uh, in how they operate, the speed at which they exist uh, and come together. And I think there's both learnings on both sides of the equation for that to be successful. John backs up this theory that partnerships will be the future. One fintech cannot make enough of a mark on its own. And ideas sharing is the future from both traditional players and new challenges. Equally interesting is the admittance that perhaps both sides could learn from one another. We get so used to hearing how fintechs are besting the big banks in their technology, customer centricity of their products and services, but perhaps there are also lessons that big banks could still teach them. I think an openness on both sides to have those conversations is really going to be vital. However, it is important to try and avoid making these partnerships solely in regional silos, or to keep investment all within the London umbrella. If the emphasis is bringing the nation together, reinforcing the London fintech bubble through internal partnerships is not the solution. As many of our contributors, including fintech envoy Chris Sear and Richard Theo, have highlighted across the series, there are lots of fintechs and financial service providers up and down the country, often that provide services behind the scenes such as data analytics or card processing. And therefore, it's easy to assume that fintechs only live within the capital or the nation's biggest cities and partnerships will be made only in these locations. What we now need is knowledge sharing and on a national scale. This is Greg Michel. So one thing that we've realized time and time again, speaking to entrepreneurs throughout the UK, is that they are very well connected in their own hub, maybe London, maybe Leeds, Manchester, Newcastle, but they're not necessarily well connected with the other hubs. And there is a bit of value being lost in the system here because before considering the US, before considering France, before considering Germany, you might as well just go next door and ask if you know you would have business partners if this solution is good for them, but then also to exchange with your peers, right? Maybe they have the same problem as you. Maybe you could exchange. Maybe you can find a mentor. Maybe someone is in the region uh, next to you and then you haven't really... Um, explored that option. So I think what we want to create really is links between these entrepreneurs. We want to make sure that they have the ability to speak to each other, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but it might be whole ecosystems in general, to make sure that the efforts are a bare fruit, if you want, and that everyone can benefit from everyone's different and variety of expertise. So we're not here to recreate hubs. This is one thing that is very important to understand. Hubs exist in and of themselves. They're great people actually building them. What we want to do is linking up with them and make sure that 
each hub speaks to each other so that we maximize the value for everyone. So I think partnerships are really important. This is Lisa Wood, CMO at Atom Bank, based in Durham in the northeast of England. It's the ecosystem and the support system that sits around new businesses that is really important to their success. So, you know, it's not one particular thing that will make a difference. It's, it's having access to resources, it's having access to mentorship, it's having access to investment and as well as the, the, the programs like the FinTech program that Tech Nation are launching is fantastic because they're actively going out and making sure that the people on those programs are from the regions as well as from the London sort of FinTech scene and, and making sure that they are proactively nurturing that talent that sits outside of London is so so important, I think. But it is partnerships um, and it is the ecosystem that we create. And I think it's it's also that access to investment because I think investment is probably easier to come by in London. It, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling um, and self-sustaining ecosystem in London. Out in the regions, that needs to be nurtured more. Um, and it needs to be much more proactively championed, I think. And that's the role that uh, Tech Nation um, will hopefully enable for you know tech businesses, particularly through things like their fintech program. So if we aim to break down the regional barriers and open up knowledge sharing and partnerships across the UK, as the Tech Nation fintech program and other initiatives like it from HM Treasury aim to do, once it's up and running, what does that mean for UK fintech? What does the future look like? Really exciting. Yeah. Really exciting. There's so much. This is Wendy Jefferson, co-founder of RegTech Cybernetics, who were acquired by NASDAQ at the end of last year. So she knows a thing or two about working with a major player. I mean, actually, it's one of those things that you you look at any other industry without knowing a little bit about it and think, oh, well, obviously that runs brilliantly. And then you look under the hood and realize, gosh, it's not quite as slick as I thought it might be. And there's huge amounts of stuff that people still do manually. It's not about replacing them, but you could take away the stuff that we're not actually really very good at as people. But, you know, so that, that pace of innovation and the opportunities for making everything just more effective and efficient um, is huge. And there are so many people coming in to try. Organizations are saying, there's other people out there thinking really, really hard about this bit of the puzzle. I will let them do it and I will buy it. So it's, it's shift, and that shifted in the last four years. And that actually, that's what's really important is making it for the better and really thinking hard about the end user and how does this affect the man on the street, man or woman on the street. So there's a huge amount of responsibility. And I think it's on all of us to really think carefully about everything that we do and what the ultimate impact is out there in the world. This is Paul Rippon, co-founder of Monzo. So if, if this activity or results in the reconsolidation back around the big four or five banks, I, I think that would be a bit of a bit of a shame. However, I'm an optimist, so I honestly do not believe that is the, the case. I, I think it's natural and healthy uh, that some of the fintech providers at the moment will consolidate, whether that's with each other and or with the establishments. I, I think that's reasonable and positive, actually. You know, if um, people think that there's ways they can work together or indeed some firms think by taking over they can get an advantage, I, th I think that's a, uh, a positive feature of the, of the system that we, that we work in. Uh, I also believe, though, that there will be a new wave of doing business and a new way of helping, helping customers. So, uh, for any entrepreneurs out there that are having a, a tough day, week, or month, uh, my encouragement, my suggestion, my advice is 
stick at it, be resilient, be flexible, learn, but be resilient. This is John Bradford from Motive Partners. I think financial services in the future, I think it's really difficult for people to describe what it will look like. It will be much more competitive. It will have much more customer orientation. I think one's ability to uh, seamlessly move from product to product or service to service is going to be there. In what form that's going to look, whether that's a single app and everything sits inside it, whether that's multiple apps, whether that's even an app, whether it's a completely different form of service, such as a, a Clio through a messaging system, I think one would be a fool to to try and judge at this point in the cycle what that outcome looks like. However, one would hope that for the benefit of London and the UK, that it is a vibrant ecosystem where both small and large can work side by side for mutual benefit. I think we shouldn't underestimate the impact that what is before us being Brexit will have in financial services in London. I think it's super important that we recognize that the comfortable position that we've built up over a period of time will come under attack or it will become a flatter playing field, whatever one describes it. And so therefore, in a weird way, one might argue that it's actually going to cause people to have to raise their game in this process. And so therefore, actually, it's more likely to drive more people to actually work together than may have historically done before. I think rather than having to rest on our laurels, we recognize that it's a, a global marketplace and one has to um, really st stick your elbows out and actually start to compete in, in the global market itself. John makes a really interesting point that has not been made by anybody across this series. While we've been overwhelmingly positive about the impact of Brexit on UK fintech, John cautions that while we may remain optimistic, we should not become complacent. To keep our position in Europe and the world as an international fintech hub, we must not sit back and expect opportunities to come to us. We must keep pushing, digging deeper and redefining what fintech means and looks like to ensure we maintain our position as a global fintech leader. And as John suggests, we could even embrace Brexit as a driver for competition. As we've seen with the World Cup, nothing brings a country together quite like an international competition. And if we do bring the nation together and develop this network effect, working together to continue to improve our fintech credentials up and down the country, how do we measure this success? John Bradford has a colourful way of summing this up. Success is an interesting question, particularly when you're asking an investor. My normal response to that question is come back in 10 years and I'll tell you whether it has been successful or not. I think silly line, but it's a little bit like porn. It's really difficult to uh, describe, but when you see it, you know it. Watch this space. To summarise the importance of the network effect of uniting the UK that we've been describing across this series, we wanted to bring you a few closing thoughts from the launch of Tech Nation's FinTech programme. We asked some of the attendees at the launch their views on how important it is to showcase UK FinTech as a united front and how we do strengthen the network effect between the regions. We were privileged to speak to John Glenn MP, Economic Secretary to the Treasury, who had literally just delivered a speech highlighting exactly the importance of strengthening our regional ties in order to stand out on an international stage. His phrase, I want to be able to boast about you, 
really resonated. He also stressed how fintech as an industry is not a strain on the treasury. It doesn't ask for resources, only support, which he's very happy to give. And after all, as a united fintech kingdom, this is something we can be really proud of. Well, I think it's um, really important that we understand the massive potential that fintech has across the United Kingdom. Uh, uh, we know that we are a hub in London and that the combination of the uh, financial centre and the, the fastest growing technology hub uh, in, in the UK economy um, is, has enormous potential to transform uh, cities and provide jobs and growth outside of London. So you know, we think about Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham, um, and across the United Kingdom into Wales as well, where we see great potential for fintech to take off, to take advantage of some of the pre-existing jobs that exist in different um, parts of our economy. Um, and I see this as you know, now drawing uh, a new growth opportunity outside of London. Hi, I'm Ben Brabin. I'm head of Level 39 in Canary Wharf. Well, it's fantastically important to be highlighting the connectedness of the UK and not only highlighting it, but of course doing real work to increase it. I think the network effects that are at the heart of fintech cannot be overstated and the convening role of Tech Nation and of Treasury and of many of the other organisations around the country that are drawing attention to that is really useful. Of course, we also have to give people from outside of the UK clear signalling about how to gain access. So that simplification of what is a massively varied, diverse and complex ecosystem is really valuable. Hi, I'm Martin Cook. I'm General Counsel at Funding Circle UK and a member of the FinTech Delivery Panel. I think it's important that FinTech firms come together to show a united front because it can uh, highlight the great variety but also the commonality between different types of firms. So FinTech, FinTech is a really broad um, ecosystem of payment services, of service providers, of um, lending platforms, of equity funding platforms and everything in between. So there's a lot that uh, makes us special and different and we're all trying to solve different problems but when we can come together to uh, collaborate and build a coalition for the strength of fintech in the UK then we'll be better at succeeding. You know, common themes like uh, talent and skills, we have common interests there about building better understanding um, in the traditional financial services sector so we can work with them, um, we can talk together with policymakers. So United Front gives us a stronger voice and um, whilst there are differences in our businesses, there is a lot that brings us together. And I think um, whilst a lot of fintech debate has been about London as the the, the only place to be in the UK. That's clearly not true. If we look at the UK system as a whole, there are, are many firms or entrepreneurs doing interesting things right across the, the UK. And um, you know, we see strength in depth in ID in Scotland. Um, we see a huge growth in tech and fintech in Leeds and Manchester. And actually, uh, this, this commonality uh, is not as distinguished by two hours on a train journey. Um, we, we should work together. Hi, my name is Katia, the CEO of the FinTech Times. I feel like after all the Brexit news, the idea behind strengthening the image of UK as being a centre of FinTech has been out there. Everybody is asking this question, like how do we make sure we don't lose this status? And I think keeping us 
sort of collaborative and united is a good first step. So events like these, initiatives like, like this one, definitely a good kind of step forward for that. But also, I think, weirdly enough, I would say communications, partially because I work in it, but I think that's, that's, that needs to be supported <laughs> and kind of, we need to put more effort into it because most fintech companies, I'm working in fintech for ages now, uh, they have no idea how to promote themselves. They have no idea how to make sure you know their stories get picked up with like big media titles. And uh, I think that that needs to be better somehow. They need to be better that all of us. And I read this heartbreaking news every day that some companies are opening office in Luxembourg and in Berlin and uh, Amsterdam. And obviously they have been really happy in trying to lure us over there. I myself have been offered a lot of times some kind of really good options for opening an office sort of over there. I'm very much, you know, pro-UK and I would like to keep that as a fintech centre. And this is also the birthplace of the fintech times and we stand for giving the UK fintech a voice. This is what I promised Tech Nation actually and I will, I will continue doing that. Okay, so my name is Chris Pond and I'm Vice Chair of the Financial Inclusion Commission. And my real enthusiasm is that financial innovation could address a real problem of people not having access to the financial services which so many of us take for granted and which, as the Minister has said earlier today, is a way of making sure that they get the best quality of life and the best financial well-being. Deb Harding, Head of Engagement, Financial Professional Services, Welsh Government. It's really important to showcase um, UK as a whole in fintech. There's some fantastic things happening across the regions from Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales include, and the English regions and I think it's really important to make sure that um, there's no monopoly on good ideas. There are some fantastic things happening and it's important to make sure that this gets out to the world that um, the UK is a tech nation or a family of nations. Wales in particular has got some fantastic companies um, Richard Thiel, our fintech envoys, with us today. And it was great to hear from John Glenn that London doesn't have an monopoly on good ideas. I think it's important to show that the UK as a whole is, has strengths in fintech. And if we can promote that to the world, it will help us, the whole of the UK economy. I really love that phrase from Deb Harding, there is no monopoly on good ideas, which is so important. At 11FS it doesn't matter to us who has the idea, if we love it, we make it happen, regardless of the seniority of the job title of the person whose idea it was in the first place. It's good to see this mentality being applied at governmental level, across the fintech sector, to bring people, ideas and regions together. It's also interesting to hear from John Glenn about the transformative nature of fintech, not just for customers via the services they provide, which is something that everybody talks about, but also for people who work in this sector, or more importantly, who could work in this sector going forward. Fintech breaking out of London can bring thousands more jobs to towns and cities around the UK and make a huge positive impact on our economy, which sounds like a win-win to me. This episode was hosted by me, David Breer, written by Laura Watkins, produced by Ollie Judge and Petrit Bericha, and edited by Holly Blacksell. Thanks to Greg Michelle at Technation and all the Technation team, John Glenn, MP, 
Deb Harding, Head of Engagement in Financial Services for the Welsh Government, Ben Braben, CEO of Level 39, Chris Pond, Financial Inclusion Commission, Katia Lang, CEO of the Fintech Times, Martin Cook, General Counsel at Funding Circle and the founding member of Fintech Delivery Panel, Paul Rippon, co-founder of Monzo, John Bradford, founding partner at Motive Partners, Wendy Jeffson, NASDAQ Cybernetics, and Lisa Wood from Atom Bank. 11FS, the people who brought you this podcast, transform businesses, and frankly, we get shit done. To find out what we can do for you, visit 11fs.com or email us on hello at 11fs.com. If we've hooked you with this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast client, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for more exclusive content. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.